You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Can the ethics in the Jesus story, the ethics such as the golden rule or neighborly love or solidarity with the marginalized, economic justice for the poor, nonviolent resistance, all of these are just examples of some of the ethics we find in the Jesus story. Can, do they still promise a pathway of salvation or liberation for us today? Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 449. Our title this week is Advent and the Arrival of a Safer World for Everyone. And our reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So, many scholars believe the stories about Jesus' birth and infancy in Matthew and in Luke, they were the last part of the Jesus story to be developed by the early Jesus movement. Paul never mentions Jesus' birth, and and Mark doesn't begin his version of the the story with Jesus' birth either. Um, Other early sources used by Matthew and Luke's gospel don't include any details about the birth of Jesus. So, these stories, they don't appear until Matthew and the later expanded version found in in Luke. So, so this week's reading, again, it comes from Matthew, whose birth narrative for Jesus It's rooted in Jewish folklore about Jewish liberation and the hope that the people of that time had for liberation from Roman imperialism, and especially its destructive results on, on rural life in Judea and Galilee. Let's consider just one of those examples from that rich uh, folklore, uh, that Hebrew folklore, liberation folklore, as context for our reading this week. This is from Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Most High. In God, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one like the Holy One of old. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For 
God is a God who knows, and by the Ancient One, deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength, and those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. That kind of sounds Sermon on the Mount-ish, honestly, uh, but let, we'll continue. She who is barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Creator brings death and makes alive, brings down to the grave and raises up. The Liberator sends poverty and wealth, humbles and exalts. God raises the poor from the dust, lifts the needy from the ash heap, seats them with princes, and has them inhabit a throne of honor. So there's this reversal theme uh, mixed in with the liberation as well. It continues, For the foundations of the earth are the most highs. On them the Creator has set the world. Our God will guide the feet, guard the feet of those who are faithful, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by, by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose God will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The God of justice will judge the ends of the earth and will give strength to God's ruler and exalt the horn of the anointed one. So an ever-repeating theme of all of these Jewish liberation narratives is that God is a God who stands in solidarity with the the disenfranchised, with the the marginalized and and the oppressed. The late Dr. James H. Cohn, um, he cautions us about what this could mean. This is from his book, God of the Oppressed, page 65. If theological speech is based on the traditions of the Old Testament, then it must heed their unanimous testimony to Yahweh's commitment to justice for the poor and the weak. Accordingly, it cannot avoid taking sides in politics, and the side that theology must take is disclosed in the side that Yahweh has already taken. Any other side, whether it be with the oppressors or the side of neutrality, which is nothing but a camouflaged identification with the rulers, is unbiblical. If theology does not side with the poor, then it cannot speak for Yahweh, who is the God of the poor. So, this tradition it influences how Matthew begins his version of the Jesus story. Jesus, for, for Matthew's audience, continues a, a liberation hope. It didn't begin or end with him. He's the continuation of it. Um, the Reverend Dr. Wilda Gaffney writes of this in her book, a, a Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church, Year W, page 14. She writes, God's saving work did not begin with Jesus. We see it borne witness to throughout the scriptures as Hannah sings of it in her time, which we just read about a minute ago, and in times to come as would Mary echoing her song. Jesus is the continuation and embodiment of that salvation himself an announcement of good news. So we'll speak of more of this in a moment, but before we do, let's ask why does Matthew emphasize a point that uh, uh, the Christian tradition has come to describe as, as Mary's virginity? Matthew is paraphrasing Isaiah 7.14, which states, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him a 
Emmanuel. It's, it's quite illuminating to read the entire context of Isaiah's passage. In ancient cultures, the word translated as virgin, it simply meant a young girl who had reached the age where she could become pregnant. These cultures desire to accurately track uh, a person's heritage and, and, and property rights in that culture, which was defined um, in, in, through the terms of, of the lineage of the father's line. It developed into uh, what became a closely controlled regulation of women's sexuality as a way of, of reliably determining paternity. They could have just as easily regulated men's sexuality, but they chose not to. And I don't think property or paternity, though, um, even though it might be the context for, for, for virginity in the, in the uh, Hebrew scriptures, um, I don't think that that is what Matthew or Isaiah are really concerned with. To understand the narrative detail here in Matthew of, of Jesus being born from a virgin, I think we have to understand the Hellenized and Roman folklore as well as the Jewish tradition. In, in Hellenized and Roman folklore, these imperial stories, um, they included many tales about the childhoods of, of famous men or, or heroes. And in each of these stories, a person's exceptionalism is traced all the way back to the events of their birth. And in each of these uh, stories, in every case, the, the, the gods they play a role in their in the hero's conception or in the the famous person's childhood. Just a few examples. I want to throw these out there with a couple references. Um, you can read about the stories of Alexander the Great in in Plutarch's uh, Parallel Lives. Uh, Alexander uh, to um, chapters one through three and five, and then Apollonius uh, uh, um, of Tyana. Uh, you can see uh, Philostratus. From Life of Apollonius, and I'll give references to that in this week's eSight too, if you want actual chapters and pages. But uh, Plato's um, Diogenes Laertius in the Lives of Eminent Philosophers, or Octavian, who who later became uh, the Emperor of Rome himself, and in, in the Divine Augustus Caesar, Son of God, and you can see Suetonius as the deified Augustus on that. And again, I'll give you references in this week's eSight, but. Um, uh, 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 all of those stories match this pattern of a person's exceptionalism being traced back to um, how they were born and the participation of the gods in that. And remember that the original audience for, G for, for Matthew, it viewed the world very differently than many of us do today. I believe Matthew's version of the Jesus story, it was seeking to establish Jesus and to elevate him in the midst of others who were competing for people's allegiance, including Caesar. And 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 Caesar had a, a virgin birth, or, or a, a divine birth, rather, and, and Matthew found his way through an unrelated and remote passage in Isaiah to give Jesus a place 
on that same stage to compete with those same figures. Today's a little different. Today we live in the wake of of past justice movements and we're we're living through many others right now too. I think of uh, um, climate action, the movement for black lives, uh, the Me Too movement, um, and others. Can the ethics in the Jesus story, the ethics such as the golden rule or neighborly love or solidarity with the marginalized, economic justice for the poor, nonviolent resistance, all of these are just examples of some of the ethics we find in the Jesus story. Can, do they still promise a pathway of salvation or liberation for us today? And I don't mean salvation in the sense of guaranteed post-mortem bliss. I, I mean salvation is shaping our present world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone that's large enough to, to hold all of our differences together, where, as Micah 4.4 states, everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. On this last weekend of Advent, what coming or arriving justice are you anticipating? And what, what, what coming justice are you working toward? As a Jesus follower today, how do the ethics of the Jesus stories uh, or the Jesus of these stories, how does it speak into your concerns and, and your efforts today? Do they still speak to you? For me, they do. Um, I think there's still a lot of, of rich benefit we can get from the Jesus story. These stories continually challenge me and my Christianity uh, not to avoid social concern. And these stories still inspire me to, to keep looking for ways to be life-giving or a source of healing and a, a help to those that our systems make vulnerable in our context today. They encourage me to, to, to reclaim my own humanity and, and, and to do that through recognizing and honoring the humanity of others. And so as Advent closes this year and a new year begins in the Christian calendar with Christmas, how can... Uh, this season inspire you to be um, like Jesus, to continue the work of making our world that safe home for everyone. Uh, this next year, my hope is that our efforts will be intentional and be effective. May, may love and joy and hope and peace and justice, may it, as Advent says, arrive. May it come more fully through the conduit of our lives and through the conduits of our the choices that we make too. Heart group application this week, number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how has this year's season of Advent, how has it been meaningful to you? And discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, especially with Christmas right around the corner? What can you do, big or small, to continue setting in motion that work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home? for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen 
social media platforms for our daily posts. And also, if you enjoy listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, please like and subscribe to this podcast through whatever podcast platform that you use. And then consider taking some time to give us a review there as well. This helps others find our podcast. And and if you'd like to to reach out to us through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. And lastly, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now available at RenewedHeartMinistries.com. Right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.